0: Uh, Out Today is a really interesting book, which I suggest everyone grabs a copy of, get it from your favourite book provider. Might Bite is the title of a book, and we've got the author, Mr Patrick Foster, joining us. Uh, Whereabouts are you, uh, Patrick, this morning?
1: Uh, I'm in Whitney uh, in Oxfordshire, which which is where home is these days, so thanks very much for having me on. That's David Cameron country, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That's definitely what it's famous for. So Mike bike. just tell us us about the title, first of all. Yeah, the title, uh, as you'll find out if you read the book, um, is that was sort of not quite the last bet I ever placed, but certainly almost. And and the horse was uh, in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. um, And that was the point where it sort of gambling had become a uh, question of sort of make or break life or death if you like um I put a very significant amount of money on that horse um and it came second by length and my world came crashing down at that point and when I was thinking about the title uh, of the book there was a kind of play on words there as well um in that um certainly for some people gambling can uh, bite you very hard as it as it did me
2: we'll go through the um the backstory in a moment but with the benefit of hindsight now, do you think it's a good thing that that it did lose?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I say to people when I talk about it now, um, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, obviously, at the time, it didn't feel like it. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that if it had won, uh, the kind of spiral, vicious spiral that I'd got myself into would only have, have continued. And, and I think I always say to people as sinister as, as it sounds if if that horse had won I'd probably now be in prison or dead um and I certainly don't want either of those things.
0: So let's let's wind it back to the start and um your emergence as a promising cricketer uh in the early days so just give us uh, and our listeners a little bit of a um story of your, your 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 background.
1: Yeah so when I was younger growing up like a lot of um people. I had one ambition in life and that was to be a professional sportsman. Um, I played all different sports. Um, I then went, was lucky I went to one of the top independent boarding schools. I got a scholarship there um, and cricket started to be or emerge as, as the kind of sport that had the most ability unfortunately um, and as a youngster um, things went really well. I was Sort of very high achieving, I got pulled out of school cricket, given a place on the North Ants Academy, um, was playing second team cricket whilst at school. And at that point in my life, I thought, you know what, this is going to be all right. I'm going to be rich, famous, get paid to do what I love and um, be a cricketer for the rest of my life. I think there was, looking back, there's certainly an element of, of naivety there, because even when you're in that situation, there's an awful long way to go. Um, and I think a lot of young people and I was probably one of those, you think you've probably made it before you perhaps have. Um, and I always knew in the back of my mind, um, there were a lot of other guys that were probably more naturally talented, um, bold, quicker, hit it harder, but I worked hard. I worked damn hard and made the most of my ability, um, so, yeah, certainly when I was when I was at school and, and up until the point um, I went to university, that was that was all I wanted to do.
0: And then you moved into the city um, when sport sort of came to an end. Uh, insurance broking, is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I started in January 2010 um, working in, in the city for an insurance broker, um, having finished at, at university and, and my race sort of being run cricket wise sport and the city
0: sort of seems to go hand in hand I've, I've been in the city for 37 years amazingly still not being found out um, and when i first started there were a lot of um sport wasn't quite as professional as it is now particularly rugby uh, a lot of senior rugby players could be found uh, in the square mile peter winterbottom uh, mickey skinner eric peters to name uh two or three there um and it seemed to me at that time, it, if you had a, a sportsman ethic, it seemed to go hand in hand with um, how to survive or prosper in the city, that same competitive nature, that edge. And um, dare I say the gambling element as well, because the city, as a lot of people know, is just basically one big casino and you have to have that. Uh, I mean, the the polite word for it is investment, but it's it's still gambling, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you do you do see and find a lot of sportsmen um, and women in that in that field when sports either come to an end early or or after careers and people have made great successes of it for the reasons you've just said. But certainly for me, when I went into the city, I kind of followed the crowd there. Um, I never thought I'd do it, but um, it seemed the right thing to do. But what was strange when I went into the city was I then became kind of motivated by money um, because it surrounded me. And that's all that became important. I almost forgot about everything else. And it was about money. And, and then, of course, you add that or put that with the fact that I was now gambling a lot more and pretty heavily. Uh, it was a match made in in heaven or, or hell, depending on which way you look at it.
2: Um, so did you gamble before you? Started in the city or you know, just dabbling a little bit when you were playing or at uni?
1: Yeah, I didn't. Um, it was when I went to uni that I started. Um, I'd never really done it before. That it wasn't something that my family did, friends. Um, it was it was at uni that I started. And I think that was because I had the money to do it, because I had a generous mum and dad, a student loan, and was getting paid to play cricket. So I thought to myself, I can do what I want with my money, and if I lose a bit, it doesn't matter. Uh, I also had a lot of time on my hands, as you know, when you're at uni, if you're not in the library studying, which you didn't have to do as much as people think. If I wasn't in the gym or, or in the nets practicing, I was I was often bored and and that's why I gambled. So I was doing it. I did it with my mates. There was a fair bit of transparency around it. But I guess the whole time I gambled, what was weird is there was always this element of secrecy because I always did it with my mates, but I always did it a bit more than I was letting on. Um, and there was always parts of it that kept secret but when I went into the city that's when it really accelerated because it was everywhere Uh, and it was also part of of culture very much it's what people did because either you did it through your work or you did it alongside work or both.
0: Quite a lot of people dabble with gambling Um, it's almost like it's a a nationally accepted addiction and the worst thing that can happen if you are just dabbling with it is that you get a big win because then you think oh it's easy and then you think that's going to happen every time but as I'm sure you'll testify all that ends up happening is you just chase bigger and bigger losses
1: yeah um and I mean I'm not stupid I recognize that a lot of people do it enjoy it, do it for fun, can afford to lose the money that they do all the time. But for some people, it becomes a problem like it did for me. And winning and having a big win, as I did at the end of 2010, did change everything. Because at that point, I then thought I was invincible. I thought it was going to happen every time. If it didn't, well, it will happen again at some point. And in the short term, it's probably money I don't need right now. But actually, the bit I never appreciated was that was the point where it became like a drug for me, because if I didn't win that amount of money, it didn't give me the same sort of rush, buzz, dopamine hit. And so I went from putting sort of reasonable size bets on to putting huge bets on because I was trying to win that amount of money every time I had a bet. And, And most people who end up having an addiction to gambling at some point have a A big win because of that Um, because actually if you never win you're never going to continue to do it
0: when you got to the point of um, your your road to Damascus moment how hard was it it's like you know you talk people that are in any kind of addiction whether it's
1: drinking smoking whatever
0: was it easy to just stop and turn your life around
1: no Um, I think the the biggest thing for me was admitting that i had a problem i knew i had a problem it was admitting that i had a problem and and almost realizing that i can't deal with this myself because i'd always been so proud i always thought i could sort of be a hero and and deal with the problem myself but actually that was the biggest moment for me and once i did that it then became a lot easier um, people think, "Oh, well, you've done it. all you' got to do is say you've got a problem and the problem's fixed. I wanted a quick fix there isn't a quick fix um but as soon as you do that, your life can move forward and and for me that was that was kind of obviously a watershed moment.
0: It worries me that um, gambling is now so prevalent and so normalized um wasn't that long ago the only time you ever talked with anyone about betting was when the national came on and you might do an office sweepstake or. Or it might be the one time a year that anyone walked into a betting shop, but um, now, I mean, people don't seem to realise things like the lottery, all of these on these bingo things, and the the, the march of the online uh, ease of betting. I think you mentioned in your book about the mobile phone is is almost manner from heaven to these gambling companies, the, the bookmakers, and, the, and and those that are vulnerable to gambling.
1: Yeah, I think. It is now so normalised in in society, both through kind of advertising. Um, When I first started to do it, there were a number of people that did it, but it wasn't the the norm. Um, And one of the motivations for writing my book was to to make people kind of appreciate that when it is so normalised, when everybody does it, it, it shouldn't carry the stigma that it still does for so many people. It's still a bit of a dirty word. Um, and yet people are doing it people don't talk about it people are much more comfortable about talking about their relationship with other addictive substances and behaviors but not gambling um, which doesn't make any sense to me at all um, and of obviously the advent of of online gambling that that's changed everything because it became a 24 7 365 day habit for me um, because I could do it any time any place and I really did um, and that's the problem for a lot of people is is when it does become a problem we become addicted to it you can't get away from it um, because you can do it any it lives in your place uh, pocket and the temptation is is just there all the time and and I found that really hard.
2: Darren and I are old enough to remember when Formula One cars were either John Player Special or Marlborough branded and Liverpool's sponsor used to be Carlsberg, and you don't see any of that anymore. But there's a lot of certainly Premier League football teams that are sponsored by betting companies. So I would imagine, I I don't know whether you can answer this, but um, I would imagine that there will be a campaign and a shift to removing that kind of um, advertising because it's going to be very apparent that it's a different health focus on that side of things it's not just the physical health of smoking and and drinking
1: yeah absolutely spot on and i think the thing with advertising when it comes to gambling is is actually it's the it's kind of the volume of it and the saturation it's it's just everywhere it's relentless um and it's the exposure that young people are getting to it as well um which i sort of don't agree with uh, and the predatory nature of some of the gambling uh, advertising the fact it's trying to hook you in by offering you free bets free offers they try and shift you from betting on sport and football to casino games all the time so it's yeah it's definitely something's got to be done there's the gambling at review process going on at the moment so it's obviously a very hot topic and I think we will see some changes and some real positive changes and I think a lot of those will focus on advertising um, and sponsorship but also there needs to be a lot more regulation Um, and one of the issues is that until somebody tells the companies that they have to do it and they all have to do it they won't because until you, until you're told, you really do have to. It's up to you, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I I saw an advert over the weekend for an unnamed betting company who were boasting, and their their, their allure was that they'd already given away ten million pounds in prizes. This is on the TV, you know, prime time TV. And my first thought was, well, if you've given away ten million in prizes, how much have you made as a mm-hmm. company to be able to give away ten million? Yeah, exactly, hundreds and hundreds of millions.
1: Yeah, massively. And, and I think that's one of the things I talk about in my book is around, I was member of these VIP schemes, which luckily I think are a thing of the past. They're being phased out very quickly, rightly so, but it was the only industry in the world that you get response, you get rewarded for kind of being the biggest loser. Um, And I was, I was spending huge sums of money with these companies. And when I was younger, I was getting rewarded with tickets to this that and the other and of course that makes you feel big but actually i now know um but also free bets are, are a big thing um i got over a hundred thousand pounds worth of free bets anyone who needs a free bet doesn't have enough money to gamble with so that in itself is is a problem um so i do think we'll we'll see some positive changes but what can't happen is they can't as they've probably historically done take advantage of of vulnerable people Um, and they need to do more to protect those individuals that are in the situation that I was. So a lot of noise from the NHS at the
0: moment as well as reading in the press over the weekend about um, funding for gambling addiction Um, and I think they've got government pressure to basically treat gambling in the same way as tobacco as Webby was talking about in terms of aligning them. But also what's probably more interesting is the fact that the NHS gambling clinics are funded by bookmakers and gambling companies and they're trying to cut that umbilical cord as well. Um, is it a worry that, um, that they're potentially down the road might be less help for those that are suffering from gambling addiction?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a huge concern because I think statistically, and I hope I'm right in saying this, I think less than 10% of people that have got a gambling problem get the help that they need um and that is that's not good so more needs to be done more help needs to be available i still think part of that is because people don't do anything about it because of the stigma attached um so yeah it's the treatment side of things is is really worrying because it's not accessible enough for me i was incredibly fortunate um, when it came to actually getting the professional support that I need, because I went through private treatment, which my parents were able to help, but also had the support of the the Professional crisis Trust. So I was lucky, but there are a lot of people that can't access that or can't afford it because, of course, you've got no money. Um, and so the treatment side of things is is huge, and and there's a lot of mental health more mental health support and provision becoming available, which is great. And this is obviously a mental health issue, but it needs to be treated as a, as a kind of public health issue um, for it to get any better.
0: Coming back to your book, how easy was it to write uh, a book? I mean, it's one thing writing an article or sitting with a couple of amateurs like us and talking about the subject. Um, to put together a full-blown book, um, was that something you found... Easy, challenging, or um, how did you find it?
1: I think a a combination of the two. um, I wrote it during the first lockdown, um, and that was partly because I knew I had to find some things to fill my time. Um, In terms of the process, having the kind of addictive, compulsive personality that I did, it, it happened a lot quicker than I expected to, it too in the sense that I got a lot down on paper very quickly I found the whole process quite cathartic um, because there are a lot of things that I found easier to write than to say some of the really tough things but where it was tough is it kind of brought it all back up but also when you speak for 20 minutes on the subject you can say what you want when you write 90,000 words you got to dig really deep um, and you've got to put everything down and and some things I found really difficult to kind of people were very aware of of my the overview of my story but some of the depths and some of the omissions that I've gone to in the book um yeah it it was it was tough at times but hopefully worth it
0: no absolutely absolutely um one of the things you talked about in your story was that um one of the personal costs on you of the gambling and away from the financial side was the fact that being someone who was so enthusiastic about sport and exercise that dwindled as your gambling addiction got worse and you put on weight and you stopped playing sport and stopped doing exercise um you look to be in fairly decent shape now from the bits I can see on this picture um are you back playing sport are you doing anything uh, physical yeah cricket I mean, at I... all
1: <laughs> well I think um yeah absolutely that was one of the things that I look back on with great sadness is that for a long time I didn't um as somebody as you say who loved team sport who loved doing exercise I just didn't do it because gambling was almost giving me that competitive fix and uh it's what I'd rather have been doing which now I can't quite believe so yeah absolutely my my addictive personality definitely manifests itself in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways and and for some Reason it's now turned to running, which uh, I've become totally obsessed with, but I see it as a kind of almost like a positive addiction. But I got to be really careful because you also realize that kind of too much of anything's not good for you. Um, so, yeah, doing that. So, I've got fit again, um, or fitter, uh, lost a bit of much needed weight, um, and yeah, playing sport again as well. Um, obsessive golfer uh, and also playing. <laughs> playing cricket again so i didn't play my relationship with cricket was a very strange one for a long time it's very monetary driven uh it, it it just wasn't good um i didn't really play during the the kind of covid year and i had a break from it and then decided to go back to my sort of home club which is Horsepath Cricket Club in in the Home Counties League because I left there in horrible circumstances in 2017 and they'd been very good to me so part of it was I wanted to go back to to kind of repay them for their support um played last year and and actually really enjoyed it um loved everything about it and and so I've I've decided to yeah I'm going to carry on playing I think you're a long time retired and I've taken on the captaincy this year which is uh i think a brave decision by them but um i'm looking forward to it uh and yeah it's it's an important part of my recovery because it gives me that competitive fix as well um which doesn't go away and you've got to find other ways to kind of channel that
2: so you say you i mean and i see obviously firsthand your um your addiction to running now um (laughs) through the through the facebook group that we've we're both in you're far more active than i am Um, how many k's did you clock up last year
1: uh i think about three and a half thousand last year um and then i've i've been doing a a challenge this month for for red january which is a great initiative so i I set myself a challenge to run 500 kilometers this month so i managed to i managed to do that which is great um but running for me now people say i'll it's for this reason or that it's a very individual way you do it but for me what i love about it is is it it provides me with almost a kind of during rehab they talked a lot about kind of mindfulness and meditation and that comes in all sorts of sort of forms and guises but for me running is the thing that i go out and when i'm doing it i don't think about as much as i normally do uh it's I love being outside I know it's good for my physical and mental health so it 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 serves more than more than just one per, purpose but yeah it's um it's it's got to the point where it's a bit obsessive and I, as I say I think you've got to I got to think about now my whilst it's great for my mental health I got to think about my physical health because I'm not getting any younger and it will start to take its toll on on knees and ankles I think
0: you're a mere pup compared to me and Webby. I'll give you a clue.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, just before we let you go, Patrick, um, shameless plug: uh, My bite is out now.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, obviously, can't believe it's got to this point. It's nearly two years on um, from when I wrote the first word, I've been very lucky because Will McPherson, who's a cricket journalist um, and a and a great friend, he has uh, co-written the book for me. Because in it's original form i don't think it would have got published um and he's done a uh, he's done a brilliant job so i've said that the reason i've done it is is to try and help other people um not just understand what it's like but also just be more aware of, of people around them um, and so yeah uh, hopefully people will read it um i think they'll enjoy it in in different ways it's, it's not an easy read Um, at times but um, yeah it's it's a proud moment and it feels very strange to describe myself as an author Um, but yeah I never thought it'd happen Um, probably not the book I ever wanted to release but uh, yeah proud we got this far.
0: It's a great achievement and uh, must have taken a hell of a lot of guts uh, to do it so uh, many congratulations from us and uh, we're really pleased that you took the time to join us on the show.
1: Thanks very much for having me and keep up the great work. I I love listening. So, uh, yeah, thanks, guys.